you know that saying that's like uh where you live is already somebody else's climate disaster whoa yeah or like right. where somebody else lives is the climate disaster for you because yeah. even when people are like well at least we don't have floods or at least we don't have this or that and it's like yet <laughs> yeah Welcome to My So-Called Sustainable Life, a podcast where we compare our personal sustainability lives with our professional one. We share candid conversations, interview guests, and get real about the realities of working in sustainability while also working towards a more just future, all in the name of mitigating our climate anxiety. Sustainable Concordia would like to acknowledge that My So-Called Sustainable Life is recorded on the unceded territory of the Ganyan Gehaga and the Haudenosaunee in Tojage. We are committed to listening to and collaborating with the original stewards of this land. Go to nativeland.ca to find out more about the territories we are on as Turtle Island inhabitants. We'd also like to acknowledge that the physical space we work out of is currently inaccessible and that we are committed to making our programming accessible for everyone in spite of this. I have to look up like direct to consumer marketing because I realize it has two definitions for this podcast mm. and I'm, am I just like saying wrong things to consume that's how that's I've it. heard it I've never really what are the two things direct to consumer or business to consumer is the business model of selling products directly to the consumer and thereby bypassing any third-party resellers, wholesalers or any other middlemen so initially I was like yeah that's stuff like good food and like dollar shave club like things that you buy off a website and it comes directly to your house it doesn't go to a store I see what you mean yeah and how there's more environmental impact for that because it's so individualized Mm -hmm. so I kind of wanted to see what was up with that and then there's also Of course, Canadian companies, like where are they getting their labor? Because most of the time it's incarcerated folks. Mm. So, but before we talk about that, I want to talk about last week's episode because it was so good. (laughs) Miguel! Miguel was, it was so cute watching you guys just talk. I was just sitting there like, okay, cool. Yeah. And I've liked his attitude about it. I feel like I'm very high anxiety about it. Like I just am acutely aware of all the waste <laughs> that yeah. I'm like doing. But Miguel's like, we can't really help like creating waste. So just be more mindful. And so that kind of helps because now I don't feel like every piece of plastic that ends up in my orbit is something that I'm like totally responsible for. And because I get like, that on the other end of consumption is disposal, right? So it's the stress of like, oh God, I have more plastic to get rid of. Or if you've ever just autopilot cleaned where you're just throwing stuff out because you're just like, I yeah. want it out. But then I also will throw things out on autopilot and not realize. And then I'll be mm. like, where's that thing that I was looking for? And then I have to go get another one. Oh, so- no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that has to do with having ADHD. It's it's just because I was thinking too about the tax of mental illness. Mm. (laughs) Mentally ill crew, tap in. I saw TikTok where this girl was talking about how her mental illness is really expensive because I think she had OCD. So she was switching between like are natural chemicals better, like for cleaning, for example, or should should I get like the harsh chemical stuff? Cause then I know that the germs are gone. Right. And so she was flip-flopping between those two things. She was flip-flopping between like pre-made food versus only juices. And just like that sort of revamping that you have to do every once in a while when your brain decides it's over this way of functioning happens a lot. And I feel like that's why I had such a problem with like fast fashion because I love fashion like you were talking about how in previous episodes how fashion is like to build community and like fat people want to do that too it's just harder to do because the fast fashion companies have the market cornered on affordable plus size fashion yeah 
So yeah, I feel like that is also a big part of like the consumption journey is like what works for you one day, the next day you wake up, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Do you have that also? Yeah, I guess like now I'm just trying to be even more so conscious of what I purchase when it comes to clothing. I feel like before the pandemic, I just had this big phase of, I just want to look like I'm in uniform all the time, which I still really love. Cause it's like, I get to have the minimalist wardrobe and still feel like I can look a certain way. But now I'm like, I actually am tired of that because I feel like we've just been with all these rules and all these things and all these precautions. Okay, that I just also feel like, too, I like free. But also with the uniform thing, don't you get like kind of scared that we're like heading into dystopia? Yeah. Like, yeah. Gosh of like everybody wears the same thing the same stuff I know but now I have all this stuff that's like button down shirts and stuff that I've thrifted or new stuff that I've gotten like Uniqlo because Uniqlo is like the mecca for uniform right and basic so I'm just trying to find ways to make it look more sassy and have a little bit more character there's this one shirt that I like splattered paint all over it and I'm just like okay this feels better and I can still reuse it so I'm just trying to see what I have and continue going with the idea of what can I remake with it then the last thing I do is to buy something new but that's just for clothes and that's something I've been practicing for almost like close to 10 years now you know I've been thrifting for like 10 years just as like a FU to Forever 21 it was also kind of like a creative outlet for me but I used to thrift so much too like thrifting is fun and I used to thrift a lot too but then I feel like when the pandemic started it just seemed like impossible all the variables yeah Um, and it's very rare to find something at a thrift shop for a plus size person that's like ready to wear yeah Um, yeah and also I feel like a lot of people are like trying to do the oversized look so the sizes that are for plus size it's taken by these really tall skinny people yeah and absolutely fuck those people there's a black lady sketch show sketch where two plus size women go up to a housewarming party in the same outfit and one of the girls is like it's vintage and then that's how I found out actually that ASOS is technically vintage because 20 years vintage then they've been around since 2000 or 2001 so they're just vintage now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> but yeah, and then in the end, there's a girl who's trying to sneak out of the party and they're like, see, all you skinny bitches are wearing <laughs> our clothes. And she's like, it don't look cute, baggy. And they're like, no. And yeah, like, it's really just like you either are a giant black garbage bag, like a moo-moo that is like black, or it's a moo-moo that has an outrageous pattern I know okay I wanted to redirect to fast fashion a little bit because I realized I didn't really explain my theory very well like my fast fashion theory as we learned in our fast fashion exploration there's like a head of industry or like a factory head honcho guy who goes to like different factories and is like okay this consumer or this buyer that we're working with wants to pay four cents for a garment and so can you make it cost three cents they're always trying to squeeze as much profit and pay people as little as possible and that kind of aligns with my theory about starting in 2014 plus size fast fashion sizes have gotten smaller but have maintained the same sizing label so 2x from before 2013 would be bigger than a 2x post-2014. And I realized that aligns perfectly with the Rana Plaza collapse in 2014. And it was mostly Joe Fresh that was affected. Yeah, yeah. And I also think about how much I used to shop at Joe Fresh. Like as a kid, when we're talking about our moms getting clothes for us, my mom would get stuff at Joe Fresh because it was like in the Loblaws. So I guess my theory is that they're making the clothes smaller, but it works out for us, nobody notices really because of the precedent we have of vanity sizing. When I think about Kim Kardashian and the Marilyn Monroe fiasco, did you hear about that? 
that she's trying to address. And now yeah. there's gems or diamonds in the yeah. thing. So apparently that's a lie or not a lie, but just like a rumor. Apparently the dress is fine, but Marilyn Monroe back in the day was a size 14 and is now considered a size two. So it makes sense that we would be perpetuating vanity sizing in this way, like in an undercover kind of way. That's like to get more money for less of an item. And actually, I just thought about this. In the pandemic, there's something called shrinkflation, where the packaging of a lot of well-known items are changing so that you're getting less of the product, but it doesn't look like it. No. Less of the product, but same amount of money. Yeah. So like, you know how a Gatorade bottle has like a hole in the bottom? Yeah. Well, now they're doing like an hourglass Gatorade bottle. Yes. Totally. So it's like shrinkflation, but fast fashion. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. That's my theory. <laughs> Doesn't that kind of make sense? The oh, logic yeah. is there. The logic is there. I mean, in this economy, you know, like, yeah, that right. totally makes sense. Right. And we don't want to talk about it because that would be admitting that our bodies have changed. Yeah. Even just the idea of like, oh, I might not fit in this thing is enough to be like, (laughs) I won't even try it on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even if you look at how we dress the body back in the day with like corsets and all these things to amplify the body, it's changed so much. Just going back to the Kardashians, they have this body that's completely unattainable unless you have resources to get the work done or have trainers and work in that body. People wore like gear to get that kind of body back then. You know what I mean? Yes. And we often forget that there's Photoshop back in the day too. It just was a different process. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely didn't call it Photoshop, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah, apparently the dress is fine. Is it? I'm like, because I saw some photos and I mean, whatever. I think, honestly, the photos look zoomed in and distorted. But Uh, then I saw a follow-up that was like, oh yeah, the dress is fine. But even if it wasn't fine, like, yeah, it's a stupid thing to do. I know. I know. It's like, she didn't even wear it the whole night. Like, she truly wore it for the three minutes that she was on the red carpet she dyed her hair blonde but they like lifted weird it's two different colors of blonde so it wasn't even a sleigh you know just anything to be controversial it's like don't you have enough money i know once you get nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and it's just like who the hell cares anymore honestly at this point in late stage capitalism like Really? Well, that's the thing. Like, they're not in late stage capitalism. They're still chilling. Yeah, but like, why are people so invested? Why is everyone so invested? I guess the entertainment. It's like there has to be stuff to talk about while the world burns down. Anyways, Kim Kardashian, super disheartening. But I think Khloe Kardashian got her butt implants out. Which I wouldn't care about if it wasn't such an obvious representation of like them discarding mm-hmm. their black mm-hmm. So I have been working on my time capsule wardrobe or just regular capsule. Anyways, this one's an obvious one, right? Because I've been thinking about like only getting pieces of clothing that are significant. But I love like... I don't know, Rugrats or old Mm. TV shows that I used to watch as a kid. But a lot of those like merch deals or whatever are fast fashion, obviously. Yeah. But I guess just the idea of once I have this thing, once I look this way, I can finally live my life authentically. It's about having the correct armor to go, which we've referred to clothes as that before, to go out into the world. It kind of makes me think of the costume design in The Breakfast Club because the costume designer was like, oh, with Bender, we wanted him to have lots of layers so that he could take the layers off as he gets to know the characters in the movie. And so it's kind of like that, like having lots of layers. And 
I feel like that's a reason why you get so much anxiety is because you're like, well, if I don't have this thing, I can't live my life normally. I guess the things that I'm thinking of are wanting to dress how you want when you go out, even if it's just casual, but you can't really because the clothes that you want don't come in your size. So you're just wearing regular frumpy clothes or whatever. And I get sad when I think of like, whoever's watching me walk down the street with my dog or whatever they think this is just how I dress like I don't know because I I just wear like bike shorts and a tank top which is a look it's a look yeah but you know if I want to be more like more options it's like more of an investment and I'm trying to get away from that and I've been trying to organize my apartment and trying to get rid of stuff that I don't use because I just have so much stuff I have like two of some things because I'll be like oh I want to do this setup but then I'll change my mind I just can never figure out how to make my apartment ADHD friendly, for example. And so, yeah, I'm trying to downsize and get all this stuff out of my apartment. It also doesn't have that much storage. And I did the full vacuum seal of all the clothes that I don't wear. Like vacuum sealed them into a bunch of bags, like, like confessions of a shopaholic. Little did I know, I would end up with 12. Yeah, yeah, I'm just really trying to downsize because I don't want to be carrying all this stuff around all the time. And like, yeah, like if you have to move next time I move, like I'm going to burn all my stuff. But even (laughs) then, like, obviously, I don't want to do that because that would be wasteful. Yeah, but I think you've been kind of doing it in a very responsible way. You posted on Buns, which is this, how would you describe Buns? It's like an online- It's a trading, we've talked about it. It's like a trading app and it actually used to be its own app, or no, it used to be Montreal app and then somebody stole like the trademark. Oh, I thought it was just on Facebook. Well, there's the Buns app. That's like stolen trademark and then there's the buns on facebook which is like the original but so many times i've considered just, just like it. bought junk yeah just like having them take away all my stuff like start fresh well um, do you ever sometimes i leave stuff out on the street and a lot of the times it gets picked up i make a cute little sign i have a little window display and it's obviously things that like i would want to pick up you know what i mean so there's yeah there's that too and i think for the that's most my part, next strategy People will do like little- It's a very Montreal thing to do, I find. Like I furnished my first apartment through literally trash. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like half of my apartment is that too. And I think comparatively to other cities, Montreal's not like not that bad, you know? Well, the reason why I think there's so much consumption and disposal in Montreal and trying to pass all your stuff along to people is because it's such a transient city totally people come in to be students and then they'll stay or they'll leave I think the idea of potentially not being here for long makes it that people are like okay I just want to get the stuff that I have and then when I'm done with it I'm gonna give it away but you're stuff depreciates while you have it so you're never going to get the value back of what you spent on those items but I think because Montreal is trying to be Paris <laughs> I don't think so I think Montreal is just where broke artists start and then they try to move away to make a bigger career yeah because you know Paris is pretty fancy and Montreal is I mean, pretty we really are trying to be Paris rough I mean with, with the language for sure but like I feel like a lot of the culture in Montreal is very rough around the edges like very rough like I had a friend who came to visit and she was just like the aesthetic here is very thrift store and that was six years ago and I'm like yeah it's because we're living in cheap apartments and it's so common for people to have a day job and then have a side gig whether it's trying to do something in music or write or do something you know so I think there's something interesting about the recycling that's really accepted. And there's almost this pride like that I think you wouldn't find in Toronto. If someone was like, oh my God, I got this from the trash. People are like super proud, you know? I'm proud when someone's like, oh my God, I really like your coffee. I was like, oh my God, I found it on the street, you know? So it's like, and I've been living in Montreal for almost like 12 years now. And to this day, I'm like, when I find things from the street, I'm like, that's a gem that 
came across, you know, but that's just my perspective in living in the city. But what is it about Montreal that we are like trying to revamp or constantly trying to stay current to the point that we're constantly curbing our stuff and then picking stuff up from buns and trading? What is that? Yeah, I think it's just like the community of trade. I don't know if it's as prominent in bigger cities like New York or like Toronto or even here. Definitely not in Toronto. Definitely not. Like I grew up in Toronto. Like they have a Toronto version of buns, but it's definitely not as active. Yeah. I only heard about it when I moved here. At the end of the day, consumption is consumption is consumption, right? Whether you're trading with someone else or not, you're not addressing why you constantly need to get new things and recycle it and whatever. But there is a sort of community around recycling people's old stuff and getting that. That's kind of interesting, but I don't think it makes our consumption as Montrealers any better because we shouldn't be constantly doing that. You know what I mean? So in that sense, I totally get it. But I think just, and it's uniqueness at least we're like not ashamed to like have old stuff from other people you know because there's some cities that like really do front a lot like for example LA mm-hmm. if you get your furniture secondhand I know some people are like oh my god I'm just like what do you mean it's amazing you got it for a deal <laughs> you know yeah. no especially furniture one of the things too is not having a car or not yeah because I saw a beautiful vintage bedroom set that was just curbed and it was real wood and everything, which is so hard to find. I feel like if you buy furniture new now, it's all particle board. Yeah. Which sucks. It's different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But to go back to direct to consumer, I feel like The idea of direct-to-consumer is interesting because, well, the way that it's described is in its regular definition is cutting out the middleman. So instead of it Uh going to a store, then you go to a store to pick it up. It just comes directly to your house. So with that, it's involved, like there's packaging involved and a whole separate shipping component. And the other part of direct-to-consumer marketing is marketing directly to the consumer. So instead of trying to get your product into a grocery store or like sold on shelves, in that sense, I feel like you'd be talking more about the return on your investment and profits and all the businessy stuff. But when you're marketing directly to a consumer, it's focused on sustainability and what is going to make my product slash company the thing that the consumer is going to buy over the other products slash companies that can send something directly to your house on a Mm -hmm. recurring basis that you don't have to think about and the reason why I'm thinking about this is because when the pandemic started a lot of people switched to getting groceries delivered or like good food boxes Oh, God. And I think yeah. about the waste involved in that because it's like, oh, yeah, all of this is recyclable. And if you want to recycle your ice packs, you just cut it open and dump the like ice pack stuff down the sink. And it's like, who is doing that? Nobody is doing that. Good food, for example, will even say, we're only going to give you one green onion because it's going to reduce your food waste. And then little plastic bags that are recyclable. But who is recycling them? You know, I'm just thinking about like, also with YouTube influencers, it's every month there's a new direct consumer business, which is again, making me think of the longevity and the feasibility of doing direct to consumer marketing right because yeah i'm trying to think of some old direct to consumers dollar shave club is kind of old but the newer ones is like scent bird like where did scent bird come from and why do we need to have individual scents like sent to us and tailored to us and and people love convenience and personalization oh yeah and so it hits all the boxes yeah all those emotions Yes. And, but then the thing too, with direct to consumer marketing is that because they're trying to 
entice a consumer their sustainability they'll attach themselves to sustainability Mm. efforts but those efforts are not necessarily good or like easy to track or easy Mm -hmm. to quantify Mm -hmm. so companies like amazon for example they'll do something called offsetting carbon emissions like etsy does this for example where you will buy something and then they will plant an equivalent amount of trees for like however much your carbon footprint has taken up but you don't know actually the legitimacy of like the trees being planted the people who are planting the trees like and also it takes so long for trees to actually grow, to grow. yeah and also you could plant 25 trees and then only two of them make it to adulthood like depending right so yeah and that doesn't even account for the soil which is the bigger or the workers yeah of course of course the people who have to (laughs) but it's like they have to plant trees like a quarter a tree like that is uh, wild and tree planting is like as far as i know it was like a a fun outdoor job for like young adults in Montreal to go do right yeah yeah but I think of like migrant farmers yeah who are doing the same thing for a lot less yeah and with a lot more skill and migrant farmers will come over here with the intention of bringing over their family but then it's hard to get your family over here. And that's like a whole thing about like the Asian Exclusion Act, head tax and that historical thing that we think has sort of gone away, but it hasn't. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah. So that's like what direct-to-consumer businesses are kind of trying to do or they'll like change their packaging. They'll be like, we're not using any plastic in our packaging, but maybe they're making their non-plastic packaging in a really unethical way like you know so yeah yeah. so yeah so I'm always thinking about the environmental impact of that I wish I had like statistics to show but and I came across in my research it was these two people and they were debating the validity of a recession and this one lady was like recessions are healthy for our economy because an economy is like a lung so you know like you breathe, you expand, and then sometimes you have to like reevaluate and shrink, you know? It's not like a fun, like social, like lose your job, not be able to provide for your family, like still have things to pay for. Like, that's not like fun, you know? And so it's like crazy to think there's so many people in sustainability who are like, no, yeah, but like the economy, right? Oh, that lady is absolutely, it's like that guy who was like, the, the workers in Bangladesh love working in the factories <laughs> because it's better than an alternative. It's like, and there's literally... This, and then in the same documentary, these women are being sex trafficked. Like, what? I guess my point is just like, when you think that you're getting a good deal, like direct to consumer comes to your house, you can customize it. You don't have to think about it. Autonomization of it is very appealing, especially if you are forgetful of things, if you have like a busy life, right? But those are the things that they're hitting. It's like the convenience, feeling like things are personalized and guess what? We're sustainable. So it hits the guilt factor too. Yeah. So it's like but they're just greenwashing us. Yeah, all the time. But you know, there is the other argument to that where I've heard for smaller fashion brands that do direct to consumer, they have more control or can have more of a leeway to pay people fairly within the production chain. So there's that that brand Cotton, K-O-T-N, I think it's yeah, yeah. Vancouver. So they work directly with Egyptian cotton farmers and they pay them good wages, equitable trade, and they sell it in the stores. Ooh, this is nice! 
I personally haven't bought anything or like I've researched more into it. I know I've been seeing those too. And I'm like, is that a fast fashion that's like in disguise? Because you see them on Instagram. It's like every other story, like cotton. In that sense. And people are like, oh, it's like a good way to slow down fashion, I guess. But again, it's just one tiny equation to someone like an Amazon who is considered a direct to consumer. So, you know, oh my God, that's so true. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like when we're talking about our identity through consumption, I think that's so deep and so true. And at the end of it, at the core of why we buy is so we can like belong. Yeah. Right. And I think maybe like the reason why the energy in Montreal changes so often, I just feel it's a place that like the aesthetics are different or like, but maybe like the reason why I'm feeling like the energy changes in Montreal a lot is because like, it's very student oriented. Yeah. So like, it makes sense that like every four years we're reevaluating like the Montreal aesthetic or every four years it's getting influenced by new students that are coming in mm-hmm. you know but I think that kind of encourages consumption because if you're not a student anymore you're thinking like I want to stay hip with the kids yeah. the other thing too is like don't you feel so old even though we're so young yeah <laughs> like <laughs> I feel myself inching away from the target demographic and I'm only 25. Yeah. And it's just kind of crazy. So yeah, yeah. I think that the marketing to like only 18 year olds is making everybody else self-conscious and like trying to chase that dragon. And in a perfect world, I'd impose my radical environmentalism on them as we discuss so-called relevant teen issues. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about like the direct to consumer model in times of pandemic because it is very, very wasteful, you know, and it's like, but in some cases then, because during that time, I think the business of fashion also was kind of encouraging direct to consumer, but that's just one aspect of, of like the whole equation. And I feel like Amazon really coined this kind of business model. Like if you think of a direct-to-consumer model you're like oh my god on Amazon like I remember speaking to someone who was like all businesses should be like that because it's less cost for the business owner but at the same time to the cost of the environment (laughs) but also technically isn't Amazon the middleman in this equation because true there's other stores and stuff it's true they really do have a monopoly you're totally right yeah um, it is still direct be... consumer because you just go to one site and you just get everything, I feel. Yeah. I think you're right. It's called like dropship. Those are two two different things. Oh, because I've been noticing like people trying to get into it and I'm like, that sounds like a scam. So I think I've been saying it not correctly, but Amazon is coined for being a dropshipping. So it's like when a seller sets up a website and then like the seller doesn't keep the stuff in stock. Right. So it's when an order is placed, the seller sends it to a third party, and then that's where the goods are shipped. It's not the direct to consumer model. I'm like, leave it to the non business people. Yeah. We should have had a business bro. <laughs> we could do part two next week. Yeah. Yeah, well, from our previous conversations, you were saying your theory about how most businesses fail and then they just want to switch over to find a celebrity to brand a collaboration which I find really interesting. And I've been seeing a lot of the celebrity collabs. Right. Well, yeah, that's what I'm wondering is like, are these direct to consumer businesses the same companies or the same group Mm. of people, but they're just changing their product every few months or years just because like, it doesn't seem very sustainable to do direct to consumer for a product. Like, I don't think I'll order like the bristles for an electric toothbrush by direct consumer, like forever. So what are you going to do once people are like, okay, I can just get a regular toothbrush. Do you switch to like a new direct consumer item? 
that's kind of my thing is like, where are these all coming from? Because also with cotton, when you see it on Instagram, if you click on it, then you get a bunch of fake cotton advertisements. What? It's like basically fast fashion companies that have replicated the design of cotton, but they're like acting as a different sponsor or they'll have a person that they paid to act natural to advertise their product. You know, when you see sponsored posts on your Instagram and it's just a regular person being like, okay, so I'm going to try this like makeup on and then Mm -hmm. they try and then they're gone like that's part of a thing that companies will do where they'll hire regular people to pretend to be regular people on instagram like just casually using a product but really it's these content advertisement farms i just feel like you can't trust anything yeah that is that is the the basis of the show (laughs) but isn't it weird like the cycles of what is popular or what you see people promoting because one week I'll see everybody is advertising bright sellers a wine testing send a bottle to your house kind of oh wow this is what I'm saying there's a company there's a direct to consumer company for everything everything you can get everything shipped to your house you could never leave your house and get everything shipped to you at an exorbitant price by the way yeah like that's kind of how frank and oak started when they would like send you different outfits and then you just return what you don't want yeah like which it's kind of wasteful you know and then now they're a certified b core they probably changed that model i don't know but again like well it's like once you've accumulated capital you exactly or to be like to get the certificates and all that yeah 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 so there's a a lot of work that even factories in the global south have to do to be a certified whatever company and that's cost money and is a hurdle that isn't necessarily relevant to them yeah and then I'm I'm sure some of those companies have to cut costs somewhere to be able to get those certificates so it's really it's tricky and I think it's okay to right now to say we can't trust anyone because we just have to be hypercritical of what we buy and why we're buying it like apart from like all the plastic that's being shipped to us but also mentioning are the people being paid fairly we just have to package your stuff or the people that ship your stuff yeah like Amazon didn't used to deliver on weekends. It was two-day shipping. If you have Amazon Prime, it was two-day shipping. But if you ordered on a Friday, you'd get it on a Monday. But now I see Amazon Prime trucks everywhere, like 8 p.m. on a Saturday. Uh, And they have fulfillment warehouses, which is kind of going back to like brick and mortar. Because even though you're not going into the fulfillment center to get the thing, there still needs to be a place to hold all these things. Because instead of it coming from wherever they say it's from, instead of it coming from China, it's coming from a warehouse that's close to you. Right. So it's like two, it's like. Yeah. And it's just also crazy to think about that there's these fulfillment centers all over the world. That's just a warehouse holding our stuff that's ready to purchase. Like, it's just, it feels so dystopian. Like, okay, there's this huge infrastructure that's basically just a storage. Yes, exactly. Like, that holds a bunch of plastic, wrapped in plastic. And they probably don't turn off the lights, you know, when they leave. Yeah. Places or these big buildings. that's like one of my pet peeves is like seeing a huge building with lights on at night it's like why wouldn't you just turn off the light like all the offices downtown like all those lights yes yes and they'll argue they'll say it costs us more in the end to be turning our lights on and off but who cares (laughs) (laughs) what costs more the environmental option or you know like paying hydration of our planet at an extreme rate that we cannot you know keep up with i know or no longer deny to be honest yeah 
like what yeah. costs more having to evaluate the way that you spend money or having to move to space <laughs> and live in a space station like xenon girl of the 21st century <laughs> because we've exhausted all of earth's resources which one costs more but i mean the arguments around re- reducing your carbon footprint if you're direct to consumer it kind of makes sense and you can easily scale right to not have yeah. a person but at the same time it's like I think that the companies are the ones who should be trying to scale. Every time you ship something, it's seven times more waste than just like picking up a box. Like Mm -hmm. you got a good food box, you picked it up in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's seven times more carbon footprint wise. When was the first um, time you heard about carbon footprints? I can't really pinpoint to an exact time, but not that long ago, like maybe eight years ago, when I started to start to think more about like the environment and my consumption habits and just trying to be like, okay, what are the things that are affecting the degradation of our planet? And what's my stake in all of this? But I feel like I've always known even as a young kid, like not, I guess, directly, oh my God, my carbon footprint, but I just was very hyper aware of pollution. Right. You know, like I remember going to a family trip and we went on a beach and I was probably around like 10 or something. And then we were swimming and then I saw a plastic bottle in the ocean and I was like, oh my God, I have to go get it. So I like swam out to get it. And my mom was like, what are you doing? Like it could have been like the tide from the waves. As kids, we all kind of have this like inkling perhaps it does come from this place of privilege you know because I know not many children around the world can afford to think about that but for the most part it's not natural and normal to see so much trash in our home like on earth you know carbon footprint yes that's one very specific thing but I think just to be in touch and in tune with my relationship to earth has been since I was young right I grew up for my toddler years in the Philippines so like living in a small, tiny province was like, we didn't even have paved roads. So coming to Canada and seeing paved roads, it was just also, also like weird. In general, I think, okay, controversial opinion. I think paved roads are weird in general. (laughs) Yeah, 100%, 100%. And we have actually forgotten the original recipe for cement or concrete like the romans had a recipe and we've never been able to recreate it so it's not even like a recipe that's good yeah i mean montreal roads if you know folks are living in montreal our paved roads are like oh my god yeah oh those like strips of tar yeah that they use to patch the road Or dig out an entire section of the street to pave it back over with, like, black. It's like, why? What is the end goal? Yeah, exactly. a progress report, okay? Because the construction in this city is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. We should do an episode on the mafia theory. (laughs) It's so noticeable. Once you're driving from Montreal and then you hit, like, the Ontario border, the roads are completely different yeah i'm like wait a second don't we have similar weather like i'm confused yeah Yeah. it's different uh, political goals Uh, yeah true not like toronto's any better like toronto and montreal have like the worst police budget like yeah this is what you're spending your money on instead of like a good recycling program tough it's tough times (laughs) tough tough times I learned about carbon footprint at girl guides and they were trying to give us tips on how to maximize the space in your recycling bin and so we were ripping up the box that the toothpaste comes in which Mm. why does it come in a box why does the toothpaste come in a box yeah it'll be this (laughs) like what is that about but yeah so they basically were like just rip everything up so that you have more space in your recycling bin and like it 
theoretically is like less energy to recycle small pieces of things. So we right. did that. And then also, do you remember the television show Life with Derek? No, I don't think I've, I've ever seen it. It was about a blended family. It was on Family Channel. And the two older siblings were like diametric opposites. And there was some realization that they had unacknowledged chemistry because the actors were dating in real life. And then they were like, oh, Disney Channel canceled Life with Derek because of the chemistry between these two actors. It's like, actually, that's not how it works. But I'll show you, you a clip of the episode. Drop my napkin. I hate that. Evan, give me a new one. Brought on napkins. Use this. Oh. That does it. Are we playing Duck Duck Deuce? No, Marty, this is not a game. This is a serious waste. Don't worry, Lizzie. We will be reliving this meal for days. I hear that. I heard that. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, but nobody's excused. Three ply paper towel for napkins? That comes from trees, you know. And think of all the land it takes to absorb all the waste we generate. I try not to think of waste while I'm eating. Well, you should, because my junior explorer troop is doing a project on ecological footprints. What's an ecological footprint? <sighs> ecological footprint. It's a way of measuring how much each of us uses the world's resources. Fascinating. What's for dessert? Fruit salad. Fruit and salad together? See, now that is a serious waste. <laughs> Stop! We're sucking up the world's precious resources and all you care about is... Dessert? Yeah. Well, I'll be calculating the size of this family's footprint. Consider this a warning. Anyway, so that is where I found out about the carbon footprint. Yeah, what an informative show. But also, like, of course, it's the sisters that are the ones that are thinking and caring about this. And the teenage boy who's just like, whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, like, gender dynamic stuff that comes up in the show that I'm just like oh my god this is so dated but actually still kind of somewhat relevant I feel like to this day like yeah it's you know well yeah it's like considered like gay to think about the environment (laughs) fellas is it gay to recycle (laughs) fellas is it gay to breathe air Happy Pride! Oxygen gay. <laughs> we are recording during Pride Month, so very fitting. Hey, it's Michelle Visage. Do you want gay sh-? But yeah, I just wanted to show that clip because I thought it was funny. <laughs> it's a great show. I mean, and it it sounds like it's been yeah. It's very, very important like, you're becoming. It's very like odd couple, but also like learning to get along different it's precious I think they're like a very precious family and it's like the and and the actors in the show are actually amazing they're Canadian royalty in my eyes so I guess to finish off it's really like the solar plexus chakra issue don't you think 100% yeah if we work hard on separating our identity from our stuff Exactly. Work towards more mindful consumption. A hundred percent. With also kindness, right? Because I feel like for me, it's not about constantly policing about what I'm buying or not and refraining because at the end of the day, I like supporting people that have nice things or finding treasures in secondhand stores, or I've bought stuff that's new and that's not maybe extremely fashion or whatever, like sustainable. Yeah. you know which is fine sometimes which you is yeah and you have to have it <laughs> like, exactly but it's just like you said working hard to be more conscious about it and really harnessing the power of creativity and you know how to express yourself through your identity and objects truthfully which is about like really meditating into like who am I you know and it starts to become this very introspective process but like that's kind of how it is. Like if you look at the history of marketing and like there's a lot of philosophies behind how people market to us. It's the overall idea that there's scarcity, but there isn't. There's abundance. 
there is definitely abundance. And also, I think a lot of it too is the feeling of belonging. There's people that buy from brands because they want to have that idea or lifestyle and they want to belong to that quote unquote community. And they'll just work super hard to just do that or just to make appearances. Well, I remember the old Navy rebrand. Like, do you remember back in the early 2000s? It was just like waffle shirts with like distressed lettering that said like old Navy. And now it's like fashion for the whole family. And hardly any of the stuff has like old Navy's logo on it or anything. Like it's very much more like a fashion brand trying to be a fashion brand. So taking the time to really harness our solar solar plexus chakra while working towards systemic change to meet our root chakra. The very yeah. base. You know what I mean? Because um, a lot of our insecurities and stuff come from that. Because um, I do think we should be working on our root chakras. 100%. They're absolutely severed from this very settled life that we're trying to live, where you settle down into little pods. Our freedom of mobility is compromised mm. by the structures that are set up to control us. Mm like the nuclear family, <laughs> like, you right. know, yeah. keeping pods small is how they maintain control, right? Ooh. Yes, yes, I love it. Oh my God, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, um, this has been great. Well, this was our episode. It was convoluted, lots of talk. What did we learn? To be more mindful about our consumption. To be more mindful, wow. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every every one of our conversations ends with like being mindful about consumption. Because it's the only true solution, really. You know, we can't rely on like a type of like business model, like DTC or a product that's like greenwashed or like one person that's researching. Like we all as people just have to be more mindful with our consumption because mm-hmm. it's like our so-called sustainable life, which is not perfect. And that's all we can do for now until the system supports us. Like we can try to be as sustainable as we want, but I'm sorry. Sometimes I can't afford it. Yeah. I really can't afford it. Like, and it sucks, yes. but you know, and there's also accessibility issues for people that do DTC. So it's like, we just have to be mindful. And that does take in part to work through our solar plexus chakra and, you know, rebuild and reconnect to a root. Yeah. For some people. Yeah. If you like YouTube it, there's like chakra realignment music. I used to listen to that, like in my sleep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But uh, okay, cool. So good chat. Good. Yeah. I'm going to go walk Trixie. Thank you.